Yes, indeed, it is all about climbing higher and burning brighter. We are here and we are ready to get powered up with another episode of Untapped Potential with Dr. Simone. So who's checking in with me today? Who's ready for this power obsession? Dominica, Antigua, St. Kitts, Trinidad, are you in? New Rochelle, Brooklyn, Laurelton Quills, I know you're in, not forgetting. Milton, Massachusetts, I know you're listening, so thank you for being with us. And of course, we can't forget Canada, Houston, Florida, are you in? And of course, we have those who are up very late in England and Paris, France. You are up way um, late with us today, but thank you for being with us. And also, thank you for the many fans, supporters, and friends who are joining us this evening. Yes, so wherever you are, whatever you're doing, consider yourself checked in for our power up session of untapped potential consider yourself checked in for our virtual support community and what a show it is going to be this is a great day because you know despite the challenges we might be facing we have life we have hope and most importantly we have the support of each other but do you know why it is even a better day? Yes, it is a better day because today we are celebrating the legendary Gordon Henderson from Exile One. He will be joining us today and we are dedicating the entire hour to celebrating him. Uh, you know, I'm quite a stickler for time, so my regular listeners know that I usually begin and end exactly 5.30 to 6.30 because I appreciate people's time. But you know, I got some permission today to go a little bit longer because I want to spend some time just enjoying our conversation with Gordon Henderson. So we will be going just a little bit later and I'm sure you don't mind. <laughs> so, so stay with us. So today we celebrate him. We celebrate his innovation, his indomitable spirit, his drive to take our tiny island home of Dominica to the world stage, and his ambition to celebrate our beautiful, unique Creole culture. Today, we are giving him his flowers, and we are saying we are so proud and grateful 
to call him our own. So let's get going. Text a friend, call a friend, uh, post a message on social media, I don't know, send a bird signal. <laughs> Whatever it takes to tell everyone that this is the place to be right now because today we are putting all our stress and all our worries to the side and we are coming together to celebrate Gordon Henderson. So let's enjoy this one from Exile One as we welcome him. Welcome to Mr. Gordon Henderson, a true Dominican legend, a pioneer, an entrepreneur who is celebrating 50 years of success in the music industry. 
Welcome, Gordon. We have been counting down, so welcome to the program. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Now, I don't know anyone who can claim 50 years of success in any industry, much less someone who came from Dominica and has, has succeeded on the international stage of music. So congratulations on your success. Well, thanks a lot. Although saying 50 years of success may be exaggerating a bit because there have been bumps along the way, ups and downs, but every down has always been an encouragement to go a little bit higher up. Absolutely. So I like to say 50 years of, it, of career. Let's Absolutely. Absolutely, I certainly agree. So by way of introduction, where do you currently reside and what does life look like for you right now? I live in Paris, France. And from 1975, I have lived more or less in Paris, France, because in 1975, with the group Exile One, which was based in Guadeloupe, we moved to Paris, France, because we got a recording contract, which was very rare at the time. Right. The group Kassav, for example, got a recording contract with a major company almost 20 years later. Really? Which was the second group. Wow. And from 1975, Paris was the base, but sometimes not sometimes, there was a whole load of travel. And so Paris was the base, but not necessarily the place where was called home. Okay, I see, I see. Well, thank you for sharing that. And your contract actually preceded that of Kassab. So that is an important point to note. Well, we can't take a lot of, uh, of credit for it is because we preceded the group because mm. we're older. Okay, I see what you're saying. In terms of the age group, although some of the guys in Kassab are practically my age, right. but we are older. I see, as a band, yes. So let's talk a little bit about your early start in the, in the business. Now, I know that you won the Junior Calypso Monarch way back in the day, and I'm just wondering, you know I read your magazine. Thank you for sending it. And I did a lot of research on you. <laughs> so I'm just wondering, was that what sparked your interest in looking towards being successful with music? Or did it start even before then? No, it, it, it started before that. Um, in fact, I entered the Calypso competition more to get a girlfriend or, or two. <laughs> Makes sense. Because I, I probably still am, but fundamentally, I was a very shy boy. Yes. Somebody said that Michael Jackson was shy, but shy people sometimes can conquer their shyness with stage performance. Right. 
So I use that um, as therapy. Mm-hmm. And as I said, at that age, to attract at least to get a girlfriend. Did it I work? Twelve or thirteen. Yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> so that was what was important then. At, at that age, at that age, I think it's important for most little boys, particularly like me. I I had a brother. He's dead now. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was 11 years older than me, right. meaning when I was five, he was like 16, and we never really grew up together. So I was like an only child. I see. And I didn't know girls, so to right. speak. Mm-hmm. So at 12, 13, we start sparking interest in girls right. and would look for little gimmicks. And Calypso was mine. Well, the most important thing is that it worked. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> now, now let's uh, stay uh, back um, during that time period or a little bit later after you finished um, high school. So it sounds like you got an opportunity to have what by Dominica's standards we would have considered good jobs. You were a teacher, you worked with the Gist Banana Industry, and you were an insurance salesman, which by Dominica's standards, a good jobs. So why take the leap of faith and go pursue music? Well, for many reasons, although there is one that dominates the other reasons. I think I was fortunate to get these jobs first because when I left St. Mary's Academy, I honestly thought that I wanted to become a brother. Uh-huh. You know, the, the St. Mary's Academy was run by the Christian Brothers of Ireland. Yes. Yeah, that's the name of the order, um, but they were Americans. Mm-hmm. And we had something called Vocation Week. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if I wanted to impress them or if I really wanted to become a brother but I said that I wanted to become a brother. So they trained me to be a teacher. In fact, <laughs> in fact, one of the reasons that I enrolled myself for, being, for becoming a brother was I, one of my passions in high school I was, was boxing. Yes. Yes. I was a boxer and my coach, Brother McGraw, was his name. He told me, well, that he was young and he hadn't taken his final vows as yet. Right. I couldn't tell that because to me, all white men look the same age, they look the same. But I think he might have been something like 25 or 26 but he looked older to me then. And he told me that if I decided to become a brother, I would get free, well, not free, I would get college education at their college Mm -hmm. in the States, and I would have to work as a brother, as a teacher for four years in return. I see. 
So I thought that that was a good deal. Yeah. But before that, they would have to train me to be a teacher and see what would happen after a year. Mm. After a year, I made up my mind that I didn't want to become a brother. I see. So that's how I became a teacher. Mm -hmm. But the teaching, I found the salary. I loved teaching. But the salary was too low. Yeah, absolutely. And I got this job with Gist Industries probably because of the way that I was dressed. Mm. When I went to the interview, because the salary was about five, and it was a middle management job, I don't think I had the experience. But in those days, teachers used to be dressed in ties and i had my tie and my cuff link Mm -hmm. and i went to the interview and i remember the interviewer started laughing i said but why are you so dressed up Mm -hmm. i said i'm so dressed up because i'm a teacher and i just took an hour i got an hour break to come and the conversation went very well and he employed me in middle management and i left that job despite the pay because um the insurance company wanted a musician to play in their band interesting i had two birds with one stone so to speak Mm -hmm. so i moved to the insurance company but to answer your question, I was never happy with all these jobs because my main objective was to pursue music as a career. So you always said, had that calling. Yes, yes, yes. From a very early age, even mm-hmm. when I was at the SMA, um, I used to go to the library and read the lives of of various singers that's Mm -hmm. how sam cook an american soul singer Mm -hmm. became my mentor so to speak Um, and not only as a singer Mm -hmm. but as an entrepreneur right so i always saw it that way um since my very early yeah now i have to tell you i'm learning about you and reading up about you it sounds like there was such conviction in you when you began pursuing music in terms of taking out a loan in your own name to buy the instruments and going over to guadalupe and and getting the instruments and negotiating that whole process so so were you convinced that this was going to be a success or were you working more of uh you know a prayer hope that this was going to work out? Because there was such conviction in what you were doing. Well, in hindsight, I think I was naive because I was 100% sure that everything would work. And later in my life, I read books about positive thinking and then I realized that I was a positive thinker. Probably, if I had 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 a a failure in one of these endeavors, probably that would have destroyed me. 
but everything despite the hurdles always worked to my advantage and very quickly but there are certain risks that i took even going to the the jb charles penny bank yes. to get a loan that was very very naive yes i didn't have an account at the bank the only thing that i was convinced that if i were to explain the situation and explain that i would be able to repay the loan and the source would be from my salary because i had a job and or from the revenue earned with the instruments with from the band and i i today i'm very surprised that the gentleman <laughs> he approved the loan yes yes well it sounds like you were divinely ordained um to do this work so for anyone who's just joining us we're speaking to dominica's music legend mr gordon henderson and he's just walking us through the process of how the group got started and his hurdles and his successes along the way so for our uh listeners who are a little bit less familiar with dominica music what is kadas music and how did it originate okay Kadas Lipso that we, we, we call Kadas for short is, it's a little bit complex slash simple at the same time because it originated in Paris, France, strangely interesting created by dominican musicians and what were the circumstances mm -hmm. we had this group exile one in guadeloupe and we were like most caribbean groups at the time when we released our first record we recorded songs and musical patterns that were popular at the time mainly on radio so this means that our first album we had calypso we had reggae because jamaica has always had a strong influence on the caribbean um, particularly at this time later with bob marley on the world and american soul music and funk music as it was called back then still called i think now we had this record and it became successful it went number one on a, 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 a huge radio station that was located in Montserrat called Radio Antilles. Yes, I remember. Mm -hmm. They used to broadcast in English and French. Mm -hmm. So their reach was really regional with a lot of power. And we became popular in Guadeloupe where we were based 
and a, a concert promoter. I say concert, but it's more like a dance because that clientele, very much like most West Indians, they're more inclined to attend dances than concerts. So the, our popularity brought us to Paris, France to perform at a dance. Right. So we played our hits, reggae, funk, soul, and the people applauded. But after an hour, the promoter came and told me as band leader, you have to make the people dance. Now, we to understand Kadan Slip, so I'm going into all this detail because the context is very important. The people, the audience, they were people from Martinique, Guadeloupe, and French Guyana. So these people were people who were nostalgic of home. They applauded, but what they wanted to do was dance. And they wanted to dance the music of back home. So the funk and the reggae was fantastic, but this is not what they came for. They didn't pay for that. So by some, um, I don't know, but it is something to me that is even spiritual. I told the guys, you know what? We are going to creolize the music. By that right I on mean, the stage, on the stage? Right, right on the stage. But there's nothing exceptional about that. Any um, Caribbean musician, anyone, you can try it and experiment it. As a matter of fact, there's a university somewhere in the United States, I forgot the name. I think I put it in my book, um, Zuckland where they challenged me of the way that Exile One creolized the music on stage because they don't think it's possible. But I can say that any West Indian musician, particularly those from the, the, the creolophone countries, we have some kind of polyvalence, some kind of diversity within us, and we can start playing a song, a reggae song, a Bob Marley song. No woman, no cry. That's reggae, right? right and we can right. we can calypso it. No woman, no cry. Oh, that I is say. amazing. Thank you for sharing that. That is amazing. And, and we can jazz it up too. No, no, no woman, no cry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We. All the rhythms that are part of our being yes. expose it on the spot. Right. So this is what we did. So we made a synthesis of fusion. Since we knew that the, the French speaking or the Creole speaking audience, they were very much into the rhythms from Haiti, mm -hmm. more than Calypso. So we took the Creole element and then we put the calypso element into it and we 
the same repertoire that we had, we creolized it, and Kadas Lipso was born. Wow, that is a beautiful story. I did not know this. That is a beautiful story. And maybe we might not have the opportunity of giving you part two. Mm -hmm. Part two of this, there was a record producer in the audience who was so impressed yes. that he came to me and he said, I would like you to come to the studio to do a recording of that music. And I was still not convinced. I told him, no, this is, we were just playing around mm -hmm. to make the people dance. My music has to be in English because my previous producer always told me don't sing in Creole for two reasons. The first reason is he thought that I had uh, a bigger chance at reaching the world market in English. He may have been right. And the second reason he said that my Creole had this Anglo accent that would not have been accepted. He was wrong. He was. Because the people accepted it. He was. So the promoter, the producer who made the offer, I told him no, turned him down. But he said, okay, I'll tell you what. I will pay for you to do two albums. One in this English that you cling to, but I want one in Creole. Creole, not linguistically speaking only, but in the music, as I explained, we Creolized it. So Creole musically and lyrically, we recorded both albums. The English album did nothing at all. The Creole album rocketed us to the top of all the charts. And not only in the Caribbean, in Africa, in the Indian Ocean, in the Cape Verde Highlands. The producer, the original one, who didn't want me to sing in Creole, immediately asked me to come to the studio to do a Creole album, of course, of which we had hits like Aki, Akan, these kinds of songs that, that, that have remained standards or have become standards today. Right. So that is the, in a nutshell, yeah. is the genesis of... So I, I can see how we're already learning so much from um, this interview, interview with you in terms of, you know, staying open to the possibilities and not simply saying, you know, we only speak in English, we only sing in English, because I did have a few family and fans who wanted to ask you some questions for this interview. And that was one of the questions. Do you think if you had stayed singing in English, you would have been more successful? And clearly the answer to that question is no. Well, I am not very sure. I'll tell you why. My first 
two recordings. A song titled Love and another one, Pain of Love. Not a lot of variety in the topic, you would say. <laughs> but this songs, that is, it was on this basis that the producer produced the first Exile One album. Right. Because this songs had gone beyond the Caribbean. Um, Love, as a matter of fact, just about last week, somebody wrote to me from um, Holland asking me to correct the lyrics of Love that they had picked up from, from a recording. Now, this is what, what, 50 years after. So Love had become a number one hit in a number of countries like Suriname, of course, in a number of countries in the Caribbean. So who knows what could have happened? What could have happened? Yes. But I am very happy that I didn't go that way. Mm -hmm. It's not because the only thing that this way probably might have brought me is more financial gain. Mm -hmm. And I don't measure success on financial gain. Right. I think that going the Creole way is I found myself. I am Creole. I mean, when I listen to the radio in Dominica every day, and I listen to my people speak in English, I mean, 90% of the words are pronounced with a Creole accent. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I, I hear people every day, and, and even our syntax and, and our grammar, our tendency of, 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 of taking off the S right. where it is needed, we are fundamentally Creole yes. um, from a linguistic standpoint. Mm -hmm. Our cuisine, and why not our music? So I think Cadence Lipso, and we must keep in mind that this Cadence Lipso began before Dominica was independent. Mm -hmm. The popularity of Cadence Lipso brought a lot of pride. Mm -hmm. So I know many students who were studying in places like Cuba, and they were amazed that African students would be playing this exile one and cadence lip so later a whole movement started with the Graham Axel and at least 50 other groups midnight groovers liquid ice and everybody was i mean if we had decided to organize that i don't think it would have worked you know i think that it happened at the right time yeah. and it started a movement that brought pride, that 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 evoked, that elicited um, people's identity. So I think that you are right. That was the right way to go. Yes, and you've clearly been such a visionary 
in all of this because you know while i don't think there was much of a music industry to talk about um in dominica but you were sure to ensure that the band was really a business that it had a management team there were co copyrights um within the band so what motivated you to put these things in place despite us not really having a music industry to speak of well as i said earlier i read a, a, a number of biographies mm. particularly of people like sam cook yes i don't know at what age sam cook died i think it was something like 36 mm -hmm. which means that he died relatively young but he was not only a singer he had a, a, a record company mm -hmm. and, and 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 the company you need an organizational chart with managers and different departments. Uh, copyright, I understood very early, was the most lucrative part of the industry. So I knew that we had to develop various um, revenue streams. So perfor live performances would be one, copyright would be another merchandising all of these things so i didn't have to reinvent the wheel all i did was just copy whatever sam cook did yes i i think that speaks very well to what i always talk about with my program that if you're going to jump into a particular industry a particular venture you don't just go on the surface you do the work, you do the research in terms of knowing exactly where you want to be. Now, not only were you a visionary, but you were sure to turn back and invest in Dominica. For example, you're one of the people who's considered the godfather of the World Creole Music Festival, as well as your investments in WISE, um, the West Indies Cultural Enterprise. So why, what motivated you to want to give back to Dominica through your investments? Here again, I must say that many successful American artists, they were my primary motivation because I always found it very inspirational when I read, you know, singers, boxers, they would say, I bought my mother a home yes now i didn't have to buy my mother home because my mother had her home right. different context but i encouraged her to break it down so i could have built one for her <laughs> <laughs> so the inspiration the other thing is to invest within the society where you 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 were raised mm -hmm. make your contribution yes and there was a, a, a little saying back then about when you get to the top, because in the days of exile, when we were at the very top of the regional industry, particularly on, on, on the French speaking side, we had access to radio, to television, to practically everything. Everything was access accessible so there was a saying when you get to the top don't pull up the ladder mm -hmm. 
So you, yes. you don't use the ladder to get to the top and then pull it up. Right. So I always kept that in mind. Mm -hmm. And in, in retrospect, I find it very rewarding yes. because I don't like to mention um, those that took advantage of being produced or whatever. But when I see their success, it overwhelms me with joy. Right, yes. And you know, the people who helped to contribute to the questions for this uh, program would be very upset if I did not ask, what are your views on World Creole Music Festival back when it was conceived and what it is today? The World Creole Music Festival, to me, up to today, is an excellent opportunity for Dominica, it's not too late, for Dominica to position itself as the headquarters of Creole culture slash Creole cultural industry. I, I, I put the slash because to me, Culture is not cultural industry. Mm -hmm. um, I know back home, people often expect the Ministry for Culture to be responsible for monetizing, exporting um, the culture. Mm -hmm. I don't think so. I think the Ministry for Trade should be responsible for the commercialization of the culture. And Mr. Raymond Lawrence was pulled up from retirement to come back yes, to do the excellent job of preserving our, our culture. Let him continue doing that. Right. And the Ministry for Trade should look into the possibilities of how do we commercialize whatever aspects of our culture that is worthy of industry. Right. So the World Creole Music Festival has this great opportunity of making Dominica this headquarters. It is an event dubbed the Three Nights of Pulsating Rhythms. It was meant, number one, and I put it in order because this is what um, I was told the very first time that I was approached. It, it, it is meant to attract tourists to our shores. Yes. And, 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 and it has succeeded in doing that. From Martinique and Guadeloupe, every year there, we have had in excess of 2,000 people mm -hmm. from Martinique and Guadeloupe alone, excluding returning Dominicans and people from all over the world coming. So that's one thing. The second aspect of this tourism thing is people may have spent 
a great time and may want to return not only at festival time but return to discover the island because the festival is designed in a way that if you attend the three nights you have no time to visit anything else right so at least you may be inclined to to return the second thing about the festival is although it's not done in an organized way is to promote dominican artists Absolutely. and i think that the festival has succeeded in doing so but only yesterday i read um uh, something that my cousin michael henderson wrote she wrote on facebook that after her appearance at the world creole music festival someone a promoter festival promoter from belgium wow. invited her to perform at a festival in belgium when she performed in belgium a festival promoter from denmark wow. saw her there and brought her to denmark she also said that carlin xp yes she's a, she was a guest recently okay well she is bouillon queen yes and she was noticed and scouted at the world Korean music festival to that festival in in belgium no i'm just quoting um Mikael. Mikael also spoke of a young man called Asa Benton. Yes, we're familiar. And she said that he was doing his thing, but when he got to the World Girl Music Festival, he exploded or, or some word to, yes. to, to, to that. Mm -hmm. so, so it is promoting local talent. Mm -hmm. What I think is needed in addition to promoting local talent like every other industry we need research and development we need to develop creole music because after 20 years we noticed that kasav came something like nine times and 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 there is no development of of creole music if this is our industry we have to make it our responsibility to develop the product right. so creole music seems to be stagnating and over 10 years ago um i was still working with with the organizers of the festival uh uh a ue professor dr keith nurse dr nurse easy to remember <laughs> he was employed as a consultant to look into the, the festival and he he said that the the festival was becoming watered down diluted because of the introduction of too many acts that were not really creole music acts and when i say creole music i'm not speaking 
from the linguistic standpoint, but even from we when we define Creole music, it's not only by the lyrics. Creole music, we all know what is Creole music by the beat, by the melody, by 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 the harmonies. So when we bring Acorn, then we are diluted. That's what Dr. Keith Nurse, he didn't specifically say that, but I say that to illustrate um, what we mean by watering down the, 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 the festival. So that's the festival from day one to now. What I think is lacking is the industry part. Yes. Because the, fest the festival is really bringing together musicians from maybe 75% of the Creole world. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we have Creole music in the United States, New Orleans. The very first edition, we had um, a group from Cajun Creole from Louisiana. We've never had since. We've never had from the Indian Ocean. Mm -hmm. They love our music and we need to exchange. I mean, Mauritius, Seychelles, um, Reunion Island. We've never had from the Cape Verde Islands, although that they are not Franco Creole, they are Lusophone. Um, they, they, their Creole is rooted in the Portuguese language, but musically, um, these countries, um, there are two African countries that escape my mind right now where, where, where they speak Portuguese and, and they have this rhythm called Kizomba, which is a spring off from Kadaslipso and, and, and Zouk. We should have included all these people yeah. and not only the musicians, but we need to bring together the record producers. We need to bring together the distributors, the, the marketing people. And let's make Rose the capital of the music industry. Yeah, so, so I think that kind of begs the question, why has that not been already done? Why isn't there a music industry in Dominica considering we created Kadas, we created Buyo, we have all this talent. So why isn't there a more organized music industry in Dominica in your, in your opinion? In my opinion, I think that the, the, the government isn't sufficiently advised or convinced that this idea of cultural industry is worthy mm -hmm. of attention mm -hmm. and investment. I say so because um, the prime minister of Dominica, the current prime minister, has made efforts He has brought together, there is an association of music practitioners, AMP, AMP, an acronym, AMP, in Dominica. They applied for some money to try to structure the, the, the industry. Right. The prime minister, I saw a video 
where he sat and he promised he is going to put up a fund of I don't quite remember it's either one million or five hundred thousand dollars immediately so that things can get started now amp in my opinion started <laughs> misusing that money in and in, not in any fraudulent or illicit way mm -hmm. but in their choices they decided which is a very noble decision that one of the first ways to start the industry would be to train songwriters and on composers how to write songs wow so noble gesture and they took fifty thousand dollars and invited now this is from the 500 of the million eh? mm -hmm. <laughs> invited a swedish lady who may have had a hit in the united states and she came down and she had a session or two at the state college and she taught a group how to write songs. Wow. Now, it, 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 on, on our conversation today, it will be too long for me to explain why I think that while the idea mm -hmm. of music education is paramount, I don't think that the $50,000 that they were well spent. Right. The second $50,000 went to a gentleman that was invited to teach record en engineers or, or would-be record engineers. He did a week with them and so on and he went back. Now, I figure that the Prime Minister must have noticed that after in quick time, $100,000 went. The Calypsos didn't improve, particularly the, the Calypsos, 80% were, were, were hit in the government. So it was uh, 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 UWP versus Labour, Minton this, Freedom that. So songwriting didn't seem to improve. Um, neither did the, the sound recordings. So that 500,000 or, or million was redirected to one of our local banks and the musicians were invited to take loans. Oh my gosh. With, uh, but loans in the regular banking system, eh? they must come with collateral and this and that. But I think that there was a threshold of 20 or $30,000 in any case, I think the money is still sitting in the bank. Mm -hmm. 
So, so it just sounds like we have a lot of work still to do. But what would be your advice for people, for, for the, those in, at home and even out of Dominica who have the talent to be a musician, to be successful, given that we don't really have a music industry? And the way I kind of want you to frame this is to look at Gordon Henderson today. What would you advise the, the, the Gordon Henderson of 1973 when you were getting started? what to do and what not to do? Well, in terms of advice, um, my friend McCarthy Marie mm -hmm. and I, we've been doing um, a few um, webinars or whatever oh, on, on Facebook. They're still on our, our Facebook pages. Mm -hmm. where we have been explaining to songwriters, composers, musicians, where they have money that is sleeping. Mm -hmm. So we, we directed our, our presentations, not only to would-be musicians, but musicians that have been in the business and they don't seem to understand the way that it works. Right. So we identified the question of copyright. So in Dominica, there are many musicians, and I, I, I should take back the word musician and, and, and make it more specific. Many songwriters and composers who own works that are used on radio, on television, on, and, and, and in the discotheques, and they have never given it any attention to become members of collection agencies so that they can earn copyright from that. Mm. And you would be surprised who they are. Wow. Very popular. So we have advised them and advised those who intend to get into it that there are many revenue streams. We also spoke on the question of neighboring rights. So neighboring rights would concern musicians, singers, so throughout the Caribbean, there are societies where musicians need to register. If you perform on a recording, you are entitled to rights. But the rights wouldn't come to meet you. You must join a society. We give out the names, the addresses, and so on. We haven't been doing that for very long, uh, just about a month, a month and a half. So I don't know what the situation is. So neighboring rights, get involved in, in, in that aspect. So, so I think we have to applaud you because I think a lot of what you're discussing right now, you know, most mus musicians go into this because they love playing music. They would love for it to become their careers, but the business aspect is so lacking. 
Say it again. Some of them still, although they are adults, they get into it to get a girlfriend. <laughs> That's true too. That is true too. No, no, no. It's important to learn the business. Yes. Learn the business. The story of the passion and all of this is okay. Right. But it's important important to learn the business and know the the, the various revenue streams and and and, and conquer them. Yeah. No, no, I think that is certainly something for everyone to learn. But going back to your success and your career, I know you've received numerous accolades and awards from all over the world, locally and internationally. Which one would you say is your most the, the, the most that you're most proud of? Um, one of the two awards that I got in Washington, D.C. <laughs> one is from an organization called CAIO, C-A-I-O, I think it is. And it is not um, bestowed only on artists. And when I noticed on the list that besides the only, I was the only artist and the two previous ones were Sparrow and Calypso Rose. Wow. I, 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 I felt humble. You're in good company. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Sparrow <laughs> and Calypso Rose. Wow. So this, this one um, stand up for me. Mm -hmm. now, now, given everything that you've, you've accomplished, you've traversed all the oceans, been to um, all the continents, do you still have goals? Do you still have aspirations that you're working on? Yeah. Um, you know, I live in, in France, and one of the French artists who was very international, Charles Aznavour. He died recently at 97. And <laughs> he was on a world tour. Wow, at 97. <laughs> yeah, he was a world tour. He didn't complete, he didn't complete the tour. <laughs> so um, I think that I like the idea of live performances as long as i'm healthy i i, I always look forward to live perform performances um i still write songs yes but the success of my old songs and the market that i target this to be a conflict because when I perform, I may have three generations of people. People about my age, their children that are not very young, and the grandchildren. Some of them are, are, are teenagers. Now, they all know my repertoire and they're not very interested in finding out what's new. 
they want to, and it, it, it's not only a, a question of music, it's a question of nostalgic feelings. So they want me to perform my repertoire and bring that nostalgia. So I write songs, but there is a conflict of interest. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I think most of us um, can identify with that, that the nostalgia that uh, your music brings to us is what we really enjoy. So I certainly see um, where the conflict lies. Now, I'm going to get in big trouble if I don't ask this question. So as our time is winding down, let me just go ahead and throw it in. Have you ever been approached to have a movie done about your life? And if you were, which actor would play you? <laughs> um. Some time ago, I was approached to have my, my book, Zookland, become Zookland the movie. Zookland is not an autobiography, but it is a first-person account of a few things that I encountered um, in my career. Um, as far <laughs> probably my son Clint, my son oh, Clint, okay, could probably play my role. I mean, it would be a great portrayal. Yeah, he, he's much more muscular than I <laughs> have ever been. I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I think Clint, Clint could be. <laughs> Could, could do the role. Yes, yes, certainly I would agree. So as we, as we wind down today, are there any final thoughts you would like to leave with our listeners today? Yeah, I, I, I would like to thank everyone for that kind of support. Because when I entered this thing, many people said, you know, you must be very careful this career can be very ephemeral, you know? So 50 years later, yes. it's there. And I always like to thank my wife for keeping my feet on the ground. Yes. You know? So mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. that's about it. Yeah, certainly. And, and you know, again, thank you again for being with us. And how might we get in touch with you? Do you have a website, contact information? Yeah, and it's easy. It's www.exile1, but the digit one, not okay. O-N-E. ExileDigit1.com. Yes, and will we be able and to I find... Have, I have open Facebook, two pages open and... I share a lot of stuff from the archives mm -hmm. and we have a YouTube channel as well. And they're all exile one with the number one? No, the YouTube is Gohen Global Entertainment TV. How do you Gohen, spell it? Gohen, G-O-H-E-N, then Global Entertainment TV, YouTube. Okay. Okay. And on, on Facebook, are you Exile One as well? 
There is an exiled one, but there are two different Gordon Hendersons. Okay, Gordon Henderson. Okay, well, thank you so much for spending some time with us um, today. We have certainly learned a lot about uh, your journey, your experiences, and thank you for being an ambassador in terms of putting Dominica on the world stage. And just wanted a quick question. Do you think that Kadas um, is on the world stage right now? Is that where you're expected to be at this point or there's still work to be done? It shouldn't be. And I say so because Kadas Lipso was a, a, a genre of the 70s. Mm -hmm. And I think as a society, we need to evolve. Yes. Upon Kadas Lipso, Zook was built. Mm -hmm. So to me, Zook is the, the, the normal. Unfortunately, Bouillon, which is a succession of, of a, a certain type of, of Kadas Lipso, because we had a song titled Livernage 3945 that people called Chueyo. It was a big hit in Dominica. Chueyo, Chueyo. Yes. This was perhaps the first bouillon song because it, it, it leaned on the traditional. When bouillon was coined as a genre, um, for some reason, the musicians didn't follow the Cadence Lipsos route. Mm -hmm. They avoided Martinique and Guadeloupe. Wrongly so, because Guadeloupe took the Bouillon, Bouillon and called it Guada Bouillon mm -hmm. and exported it far and wide. Right. We don't have the time, but Soka, as it is today, was born out of Cadence Lipso. Mm -hmm. The man who coined the name um, Soka, Lord Shorty. Mm -hmm. He stood in front of Exile One performing at the Fort Young Hotel. He stood throughout the performance. And the following day, he found two Dominicans to assist him in writing a song that happened to be in the Creole language. Recording of it, and then he called it Soka, oh, which was supposed to be a fusion of soul and calypso. Later on, probably to undermine the small islands, he said it was the soul of calypso. But there's too much to be said. Oh, but I could, I could listen for another hour. I, I truly hope that you will join us again because there's so much more to talk about. There's lots to, that's, it's, a, it's the whole thing. Yes, yes. So, so yeah, so thank you for being with us and we will go ahead and follow you on social media as well as stay in touch with you. Okay. Yes, thank you for your time. Bye-bye. You. you are listening to Untapped Potential with Dr. Akiyaka. Ça qu'a représenté l'année de la femme. Impressive, right? 
I mean, quite frankly, I lost count of the number of lessons I learned from speaking with Gordon. So again, thank you, Gordon, and thank you for spending the time with us. And you know, I must also thank him for being so accessible. I am pretty new to this radio business, so I do expect some resistance from those who do not know me and do not know about my program. But I have to tell you, Gordon responded to my very first request for an interview, and he immediately said yes. So I can tell that he's very dedicated himself to promoting the work of others. So again, thank you. And again, congratulations on 50 years of success. Uh, well, not quite success, but 50 years of being in the business and continued success to you. So, you know, I was thinking, I was thinking, why not keep the celebrations going? So how about some fashion out of Dominica next week? How does that song. Can I tell you, for a tiny island, you know, we have so many talented people and so much talent that is just begging to be harvested and exposed. So let's help some of our talent pe talented people to get the much needed exposure that they need to shine. But before I introduce our next guest, I know my regular listeners well. So before I get I start getting text messages from them. The answer to your question, the question you have in mind is yes. Yes, from next week, we are going back to working on those life goals we started working on 10 weeks ago. You know, one the ones that we keep putting off because we do not think we have the time to work on them. So yes, we are still tapping into our own potential to continue to work on those life goals, which have been sitting and collecting dust on the shelves. So I hope that answered that question for you because I know that some people were getting ready to text me to say, hey, how about um, working on our life goals? So if you're new to the program and you're not quite sure what we are talking about, feel free to head over to my website, pushpast10.com. That is P-U-S-H-P-A-S-T the number 10.com to see everything that we are talking about. So for example, so far, we've talked about the importance of writing down your goals and the importance of stacking new habits onto old habits to gain momentum with achieving goals. So again, pushpast10.com for all the information you need to know about the program and all the past episodes, including a repeat of this episode with Gordon Henderson. So, and also, you can also follow me on Facebook at Push Past 10 to find out everything you need to know about our upcoming guests. So, again, next week we will have another very engaging show, and our guest will be Miss Crystal Hilton out of Dominica. She's an accessory designer. And the thing that caught my attention about Crystal is not only does she design and create accessories such as jewelry and handbags, but she also resurfaces shoes. So that really caught my attention because I could be wrong, but I've never seen anybody else from Dominica who resurfaces shoes. So for example, if you have a regular pair of shoes, but you want to make it into like a madras flair or an African look, she is very capable with doing just that. So we're very excited that she will be joining us um, next week. And then our next guest after her is going to be Coach Omar out of New Jersey, because I think it is so important 
that we reach out and we talk to and we support uh, those most impacted by COVID-19. So Coach Omar is the owner of a gym in New Jersey, and he's going to tell us about the impact of COVID-19 on his business and how he is still staying strong and how he is still pushing on to become successful. So again, set your reminder, Tuesdays, 5.30 Eastern Time, uh, Untapped Potential on tdnradio.net. So this is my time. It has been wonderful spending time with you today. And as we always say at the end of the show, your life story is your strength. The challenges you have faced along the way have made you stronger and they have prepared you for the challenges you face now and the challenges you will face in the future. So stay strong, stay positive, stay focused and stay connected. So until I see you next week, same time, same place, have a wonderful weekend and I will leave you with this one from Exile One, a track called Akiaka as I say farewell and good evening. Attention les amis C'est la nouvelle fois Il faut pas être surpris L'année de la femme, qui travaille toute la journée, conduit camion, n'aime qu'à tout manger et garder les bébés. Ils décidé pour faire l'armée. Grepe potola, volé avion, kembe volela, achete kat cinema, paye restaurant, bon chance pour 75, ou 676.
Yeah. Uh-huh. 